Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the D-Hoop University podcast. This is your host, Daryl Harris, also known as D-Hoopster for some. An intro that will lead right into the main course tonight. I'm here to recap the Lakers-Nuggets game in about 30 seconds tops. After that, <laughs> we'll talk about, I say we as if there's more than one person. This is a, a moment where I feel like I just had to call it an ISO. Like, I called a mean ISO. Shout out to Shiv. He was there. He was down to record. We were going to give, you know, casual diehards for sure. But I kind of waved it off and was like, nope, nope. I, I got I to gotta step up to the microphone and face the music, so to speak, and wasn't entirely sure where I wanted this to go, but there there was a lot that needed to be expressed. So after we talk about the game and put that all in the proper perspective, um, we will reflect on this podcast, which we like to do. We like to give the history books. We like to bring our, you know, if something that we want to apply in real life. We we want to learn from history and look back at where things could have been predicted, where we might have been right, and where we might have been wrong, and how the ride has been through the playoffs because we've been recording every episode after the postseason began. So that's kind of the narrative of this podcast so far. So it's a, it's a man, it freaking sucks that the Lakers lost tonight. That's all I can say. Because if you've been listening, for one, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Keep on listening. But for two, I was bought in, man. I was. I was bought in. I've said a lot about this Lakers team and their defensive identity and, and ceiling and mixed with potentially the right pieces again and mirroring some of the success they had in the bubble and just not counting out a, a team that, you know, has LeBron and Anthony Davis at the end of the day and all of that. But when you take that into account, I, I'm not mad right now. I'm mad that we didn't win still, but I'm not, I, I'm not too mad at how it, it went down considering the path that it was headed towards. And th that puts the whole season into perspective. But let's start with tonight. The Nuggets beat the Lakers 113 to 111. You know what's even funnier about that score is <laughs> I believe the over-under was 225 or 225 and a half. And it came in at 224. And it came down to the last shot which would have meant the over would have hit. That's such a betting conundrum to be in. And I'm so glad I wasn't uh, a part of that tonight. I literally wouldn't be able to take it. <laughs> My chest, heart, stomach, wallet, <laughs> everything would have been like, are you kidding me? Um, Wow. So they, they lose, the Lakers lose. They get swept by the Denver Nuggets. And LeBron gets stuffed on the game-winning shot 
I don't know where to begin with this game. Uh, it, at halftime, I felt good, and I probably shouldn't have. I knew it was coming. You just you know it's coming. That's why this episode is called The Inevitable, because you can buy in, but you don't lose that sense of reality. You don't lose touch with what's really going on, but you can't help but be a fan and be in the moment and be invested. So what do you know? LeBron has about 30. He has 31 at the half, 31, four and four. He's 11 for 13 from the field. He's four for four from three. One of those threes was a pass <laughs> and he just drained the alley. And, oh man, I'm laughing. This isn't how I expected to be on here, but I, uh, I poured one out for the Lakers already. The, the purple, purple and gold was going up tonight. <laughs> but they're up at the half by double digits, 15, I believe. And it got shaky. Long story short, because halfway through the third quarter, the lead was gone. And Denver was rolling. LA was not. And it was like, oh, here we go again. We know how this road goes. The reason why I held on to any glimmer of history being made in this series was because each game was decided in the fourth quarter, meaning that the Lakers were within striking distance, but in the fourth quarter and crunch time and closing time, they just weren't better than the Nuggets, period. Couldn't stop them, couldn't outscore them, couldn't keep up with them, couldn't have the advantage going into it, always playing from behind. And that is just a microcosm of them being the better team, top to bottom. And before we get into any more of the game, because it was, it was, I don't know, man, there's not a play that I really want to talk about. There's not stats that I really want to bring back up. Brown had 40, cool. 80 didn't, 80 disappointed me, that's for sure. But they, this team was pretty much broken by Denver's offense not being able to be figured out because this defense, like I said, had a really high ceiling. They, they were able to stop this Warriors team, which was no easy task. They kept, you know, teams under clamps. They had multiple 30-point victories this postseason, 30-plus. And it's like, yeah, because they can do it on both ends. And – they weren't ready for a gunfight with Denver's offense and they couldn't figure them out defensively with the pieces. The Rui thing was cool for a game. Mike Malone shut all that down. <laughs> um, Murray, it wasn't a glimpse. It wasn't only going to happen at home. No, nah, it was happening. It was 100% happening. And then the guys, the guys came through. It, it wasn't the same guy every night, but consistently they delivered. That being Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr. Pretty much the three of them allowed each other to have an off night, but collectively didn't dip for a beat in terms of effort and contribution. They only brought in Jeff Green off the bench tonight and uh, somebody else. But like I said, man, uh, the game was the game. It, it came down to it. 
I can say that I not a fan of hearing the the slack for how LeBron was performing down the stretch, but I'm going to pause that right there because that's a, a glimpse of what's to come. I, I want to just give Denver their final credit and point out what I said about this team from the jump to put that in perspective as well, because we talked a lot about the Lakers, but I made it a point on episode one and two, which were released the same day to mention both how seriously I view Denver and get that on record before it happened and before it played out, because I wasn't going to get to this point and start talking about the Nuggets because I paid attention to them in the regular season. So with that being said, Let's uh, get in the history books just a little bit. I'm scared of the Nuggets. The Nuggets were my odds-on bet for a good chunk of this regular season. If I was not going with the Lakers, and which I can't, you know, differentiate right. how much is my heart and head, you know, making that call. So if I had to go with anybody else, it was the, it's the Nuggets, and it's pretty confidently the Nuggets. And I referenced last year's season uh, series with the Warriors in round two. There was no Jamal Murray. There was no Michael Porter Jr. And you can just pencil in Golden State for the sweep. They didn't sweep them. And a chunk of those games were competitive. And that game four, where Denver's playing just for respect, they went out there and got a win in front of their home crowd with Jokic and some guys. And I think when I saw that, I was like, that, you know, this series is done. But that meant something because when these guys get back in full force, this is a team that's been together for several years. Jokic had an MVP caliber season again. He's clutch. He's durable. He is in good shape. He can play 40 minutes in a series and you're wondering how he's doing it. And he's out there and he's doing it. And who And that brother is hard to guard. He is hard to guard. Yeah. Aaron Gordon. Huge. Yeah. He's had the best season of his career. He's yes. the best three-point percentage he shot this year. You can tell he's engaged offensively and defensively. And his team makes just sound plays together in transition and clutch moments. They trust, you know, their engine, which is Jokic, and they operate around him. This could very well be the year they squeak into the finals. This Let's could. talk about the home court advantage, mile high. Yeah, that's true. No, 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 that's true. Well, shout out to Shiv with 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 the take. And they didn't squeak into the finals. They definitely didn't squeak. They they made it their presence felt. And I also brought that up just to throw a tidbit in here of Celtics because Shiv's uh he he might be in worse spirits than I am right now. <laughs> but he, he's prepping long and hard. Like I said, he was we're down to record tonight. But I was like, just wait, just wait, just wait. I, I want you fully charged because I think this series isn't over. Whether or not it is, because it's 3-0 and we know what history is, it probably is. But we can't. We did the same thing with the Warriors. We're like, we're not going to say it's over for this team and this iteration until it's over. Because there's more to get out of here. There's there's more life to this. 
And I don't know if you you listen to that clip of the Nuggets and you look back just to last year, they were in a similar predicament down 3-0 to the would-be champions. And they went and they were severely undermanned without, without Michael Porter and Jamal Murray in their lineup. They still got that win in front of their home crowd, kept them engaged, gave them a reason to hang on and trust what was going on there. Gave them proof that, hey, no, we can beat this team and we can do this and that. Like I said, in their case, they didn't have some of their guys. In Boston's case, it's a little nasty. But in Boston's case, it's something that we addressed right away as well. They shouldn't have lost those games to Atlanta the way they did. And as soon as we did, in our discussion about it, we identified, you know what? This Ime thing, this not having Ime Udoka now and not having – the team performed the way they did last year with him might be the loose thread that unwinds this team. And I got, I noticed a couple times in that second round where I was like, you know what, dude, something doesn't feel right. Um, I'm kind of good now on, on the Celtics, even though I think the world of Tatum right now and like him and Brown together, I'm not really buying it. And then Isaiah came on here last year and lit the pot on fire, predicting to a T what was what has played out so far in this series. And we went and got that brother on here for a reason. He's our correspondent. We are going to touch in with him again throughout the rest of the postseason because they've got action. They've a hundred percent got action. And I don't know. I don't think Boston pulls a, a rabbit out of their hat out of the hat and comes back to win this series. I think that's un, unrealistic too. Shiv will tell you the same. I felt like that tonight watching the Lakers. I said, please uh, just put me out of my misery. I, <laughs> at the last possession, I was like, all right, guys, somebody please catch and shoot a three. Uh, let, let's not send this to overtime. Let's get out of here. Like it's done. And there's there's a good sense of that in Boston. I don't want those guys to go outside like that. But if they do, they just might. And if they did, we would have a heck of a series to look forward to in Miami and Denver. The first thing that I'm thinking of now with that being the series that we're probably getting is, if you remember last year, a little kerfuffle broke out in a Heat Nuggets game. And Nikola Jokic in that kerfuffle kind of blindsided one Markeith Morris. And uh, that led to a – he. I don't know if he's touching NBA court since then from like a neck injury with the whiplash. And I forgot what the whole entanglement was about to begin with. But I have reason to believe that there's bad blood between these two teams and that we will get epic drama in this series. And if I had to say right now, I'm saying Denver in seven. But that that's putting uh that's putting the cart ahead of the horse, ahead of the wagon. That's getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so I had another aside that I wanted to get into, and then I wanted to get out of here. Um, 
it was my Lakers story, essentially. And it's a unique one. It's a story that goes pretty much to my origins of, of basketball fandom, which, which be, you know, goes early. I'm a 97 baby, so it, it goes as early. What do you know who was in that 03 draft? The guy. Uh, I, I've been a LeBron fan as long as I can remember. As long as I can remember. Going back to NBA Live 05 with Melo on the cover. I was mad that it wasn't Bron. And, yeah, it goes back to that. So, I grew up having to go to war on school buses, having to go to war on the lunch schoolyard courts, in class, talking to the homies, you know, friends, whatever. Had to go to war in L.A. about Kobe versus LeBron. Kobe being the king of the land and having rings and all this team success and legacy already versus LeBron, who's ascending, equally talented, ceiling is just as high, expectations are off out of the off the charts for just ridiculous. And this is my still int- introduction to the game. So foundation was set. And I didn't hate the Lakers, but guys, I wasn't allowed to like the Lakers as a LeBron fan. So I'm on the defense day in and day out. You know what I'm saying? And it made for just some 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 great memories looking back on things like 2010. I remember, you know, watching the finals and still being lit with Omar when the Lakers won in our in our grand in my granny's house <laughs> after game seven and hearing fireworks go off and riding scooters in the street. Um, and I remember how rough it was for LeBron and how bad he got it. Like LeBron has four rings today. Cool. I still feel like he has three. I forget the fourth one, but either way, I can't mention however many rings he has without remembering how much flack he had to take and like how rough it was to defend him for a good nine years before he got the first one. And his career has been it's been so prevalent and over the course of how the NBA has played out year to year in the coverage and on the actual court. And as just a fan of the guy, man, like I I can do without the hoopla and having to take it there all the time like i'd love to just relax and be like don't you guys feel hot like isn't this just cool like isn't this just something to appreciate like isn't the guy nice like why why do we have to like and it's the jordan effect it's the that's as we grow up we learn that you know sports is generational and you're gonna have to work your ass off to convince the guys that just saw michael jordan that anybody is close to that. And they're giving Kobe kind of the slide because he's already proven it that, like, you know what? Hey, but Kobe, though, Kobe, hey, you got to respect the young buck. He's almost like Mike, but he's not. So LeBron didn't really stand a chance, bro. He didn't. He didn't until he started making it happen. But the comparisons were so extreme that now, like, Going into the series, you just knew that it's like, all right, make the analogy. LeBron's still at 95, 96 on 2K, 97 or whatever. Because the physical traits are still, you know, above average. And he's 
His IQ is off the charts offensively and defensively. And, you know, he's got the skill set still. So, yeah, he's a great player. But the difference between this LeBron and the LeBron that we've gotten since 2006, seven, is just like, oh, it's night and day. It's crazy because my dad, my dad texted me during game four and I'm kind of excited now that (laughs) the Lakers are done because we're getting closer to getting my dad on the pod because he wasn't watching this bull jive Lakers season. (laughs) Like this man will, I promise you, he, he will in front of an audience convince every last one of them that Magic Johnson was the best player in the NBA and saved basketball. I can't wait till he does it on this podcast. And I'm not telling him he's wrong. This brother is incredibly sharp with basketball. He texts me during game four. And when we talk, whenever we talk, I give him a, I give him the up to date. Cause like I said, he's not, he's not tapping in with this Lakers team right now. He's like, who, who is a, uh, you know, such and such. <laughs> and um, he's like, I'm watching this Lakers team. LeBron looks old and hurt. And they're, they're really sucking right now. And this was in the second quarter of game three. And I was like, I, I think I responded 1000%. I was like, that that's the case. And up until that point, you know, this team had life. But if you remember, LeBron's playing on a really injured foot that he was capable of making it happen. But factor that I'm not placing this, I'm not giving him this, the bailout of the foot. It's the foot mixed with father time brother it's just this is now lebron like 5.0 and it's slowing down it's not getting faster and what you get from that you get the lebron that baseline shot that he had after the i don't know how he made that diagonal steal at the end of game three that would have cut it to two with about 30 25 seconds left where he just went for the reverse layup and just smoked it. It's because LeBron doesn't make those type of shots. LeBron dunks those. It's still a testament to his ability to, but he dunks those. He's not that type of guy with the layup. He just smokes it. He's old, he's tired, he's cooked, and he's overperforming what he needed to have done for this team to get it done thus far. He had only a little bit of this. The first half, he gave it what he had. And we got to listen to commentary about how right now the ball needs to be in LeBron James's hand. He needs to make himself aggressive. He needs to get back in the low post brother. LeBron is about as old as you guys talking. He's as old as, you know what I'm saying, man? Come on. Put a dose of reality in how you're analyzing this, his performance with this team and what this means and blah, blah, blah. The guy's, what, 38? I can't remember how old my brother is. can't remember how old I am. I can't remember how old he is. He's 38, 39. It's the... <laughs> what are we expecting? So that's why I can just have fun with what it was. And like I said, I bought in. So that's why it does sting. Because I made the argument, I got on here and I talked and I talked and I created a path for them to do it. And, uh, you know, 
they were there in each game, weren't better than them. And I knew that. <laughs> I knew that if you heard me talk about the Nuggets. But I sold myself on maybe it being, you know, I really bought into the chance that he might get five. I was like, hey, five is there. Five is even with Cope. Five is even with Magic. Five is only one behind MJ. Five is even with Duncan. Five would have meant a lot. And then you get the fact that, all right, it's five, but he's not done. We can get one more. He might get six. And that's why I'm so mad. Oh, my goodness, that we didn't get the one in 2021 where he led the league in assists and he was point brawn in AD was fresh off the bubble. But the thing is that season had the super quick turnaround. It is what it is. They did. They weren't healthy enough to, to see it through. They got cooked by Phoenix, but that was a season that was theirs because uh, then we're talking numbers, but it is what it is, man. My LeBron story, which got derailed by what happened in the game again, is that eventually he comes to LA. I remember where I was every time he's like switched the team. And when he came to L.A., I met my brothers, and I'm like, yo, it happened. I couldn't believe it. Then, of course, he has to get a ring for it to count. He comes there, he gets a ring. Not only does he get a ring, he gets the ring the year we lose Kobe. You know what I'm saying? Salute to Kobe. We lose KB, which was, you know, a, a real blow to the city. And the Lakers got the bubble ring, which we never got a parade for, which is a bummer. But that that W meant something for Laker Nation. It meant something for the culture in L.A. It meant something. So and as we're now seeing, those bubble teams were legit. So run run Brown his fourth ring. Don't put any caveat, any asterisk next to it. And. It meant a lot in the Laker jersey. And me, being the L.A. kid who has left L.A. pretty much since high school, been in different parts, different parts, no matter what I say about being a LeBron fan, it's like, oh, this kid, this guy's from L.A. (laughs) Or he'll talk about it. And now LeBron is there. So all they know is, oh, he's L.A. this, L.A. that, LeBron this. He just loves it. And the beauty of it was that it was this, like, marriage of me just being a natural Bron fan, being from LA, him coming to LA, getting the ring, a meaningful one. And now I am <laughs> now I'm like a dot. I've got all this Laker gear. I got beanies, jerseys, shirts, you know what I'm saying? Bash has a jersey. And it's been really cool to now embrace the full Laker fan that I am. And I know you guys are tired of Lakers talk, but this isn't that. This is just, you know, a personal talk. And it's a big picture basketball talk. The Lakers got their butts handed to them by the Nuggets. I will shake I, my guy Greg at work. I'm, I will shake his hand tomorrow as <laughs> soon as I see him. Because, hey, man, it was what it was. It was kind of a fun ride. They still overperformed. And, you know, now it's just cool because it's not cool at all. That was supposed to. Oh, man, it sucks. But there's a long offseason ahead, which I believe will 
<laughs> the biggest domino will probably won Kyrie Irving. I didn't think that L.A. needed Kyrie. I didn't think that he needed to go to L.A. We had Chuck on the pod last week. I told him Dallas kind of adopted Kyrie, and it felt right. He's a Dallas fan, and he was like, yeah, like there's not anybody else who's really going to dying to take the swing on Kyrie. So now that we're here, we can offer him more money. We're probably stuck with them and we're probably, you know, better off at least marginally for it because we'll have one of the best offensive players, you know, this generation. Well, <laughs> La La Land might be crazy enough to uh, dangle the fruit in front of Kyrie. And I wasn't sold, but dude, he was at all of these playoff games. In L.A. Kyrie's not from L.A. He doesn't live in L.A. He doesn't rep L.A. I don't know if he has a girlfriend in L.A. Or his wife. I'm Pardon me. I'm just joking. But eventually, I'm like, you know what, man? I think he's just. There's a part of me that thinks he's, he's right there looking at Braun. Like, I see you out here struggling. Let's 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 see what we can do next year. Let, let's see what we can do. And I thought D'Angelo Russell was going to earn himself another contract. He did not do that. The only person that did. Two people, actually, Rui and Reeves. They earned an extension. So I have no idea what lies ahead. LeBron, I don't care if you come back to the court again. It's been real. I know you will, though. <laughs> we all know you will. <laughs> Folks, this was fun. This was a good exercise. I thank you for listening. Lastly, as always, like, subscribe, follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening, and interact with us on socials. We will be back at you very soon with some more. I'll just leave it at that. It's been real, ladies and gentlemen. Till next time.